Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to another episode of Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Podcast Network. Mitch Michaels here as we're deep into the action in Rome at the Masters 1000 there. Joined by not exactly a new guest, spoke to him last year, but new on this show. It's Nick Monroe, player and analyst. Nick, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me. It's funny, the last time we talked, it was before RG, but it was in October, so it wasn't exactly <laughs> yeah, no, a year. Yeah. Um, you've been playing, you've been broadcasting, kind of like a dual threat now. And it was funny because when I talked to you, it was literally your first week broadcast. It was, so yeah. Are you more settled into that side of things? Have you gotten <laughs> comfortable? I know we're in a new building now. No, absolutely. I mean, a lot more comfortable. You know, I'm in my, my sixth or seventh week now. So, you know, I, I obviously study the game, study tennis um, from a young age and, uh, you know, playing junior tennis and college tennis. I like to study my opponents, those kinds of things. So when it comes to being an analyst, um, you know, it's again, just studying the players, knowing what they like to do and just kind of ins and outs of the game. So, you know, definitely much more settled in here at Tennis Channel and, and having a blast with it. Do you think it's helped you uh, on the court and your results maybe in just how you see the game now being out there? No, 100%. I mean, actually, the game slows down a little bit once I get out there because obviously commentating and talking about it so much, you see so many different patterns that are happening on the court. And, you know, it's funny because I'll I'll commentate and then I'll go practice right after. And a lot of times I'm just, you know, the game slows down. I see things a bit quicker. So 100%, it's helping a lot. Well, in addition to the broadcasting you've done, I'm curious what the last year has been like for you as a player with the bubbles, with the protocol. You unfortunately were caught up in the 14-day hard hard protocol, hard quarantine in Australia, but saw the Instagram post where you were like a free man outside celebrating. Yeah, no, that, that, that was that was pretty difficult at times, you know, being 14 days stuck in the room um, because we had three COVID cases on our flight. So something that was unexpected. Um, the first couple days of that were probably the toughest just because it was unexpected. So a little depressed maybe for a couple of days, but then uh, you want to get on your routines and, and mm-hmm. start working out and things like that. Tennis Australia did a great job of getting me weights and, and whatnot to, um, I had a treadmill, I had a bike, I had uh, free weights, so I could kind of do a whole yeah. workout. So I was doing that for two hours a day in the mornings and then the afternoons doing a little bit of yoga, stretching, and yeah. maybe another bike workout or something. So that, that was, that was the toughest of mm-hmm. the quarantine COVID whatnot. Cause every other tournament is, uh, just kind of 24 hours waiting for the result. And then, you know, we're going courts to hotel back and forth yeah. throughout the week. Um, which I think as players, we've all gotten used to now, luckily things are going to start opening up. You know, here in Rome, they're allowed an hour outside a day to exercise or whatnot. Um, But now, again, things are going to start opening up a lot more if you're vaccinated and everything. I noticed, too, that maybe you saw this as well, that there was like a lot of focus with the players that you know got caught up in these hard quarantines that when they hit the court, it wasn't that they had bad results. They were locked in and almost got them to focus and bear down. Jen Brady was in the hard quarantine. She makes the final of the, no, absolutely. You know what? Once, once I came out of that 14 day quarantine, I mean, I was so excited just to Mm -hmm. be on the court, to see the sun, to see a tree, to see a rock, just to see, 
some sort of life. Um, I didn't have the best room. I didn't have a view or anything. I was staring at a building for 14 days. So once I came out of that room, you know, you just have a greater appreciation for, for tennis and for everything in in life, to be honest. Um, and fresh air, you know, I could barely open my windows. I didn't have much fresh air, which a lot of people didn't. So I think that was also what you saw from Jen Brady and some other players, just that greater appreciation and, and love for what we do. Well, I was looking at your results last year and just the people you played with you have Tommy <laughs> Paul, Francis TFO, you had Taylor Fritz, Benoit Parrott. Yeah. Uh, okay. The last one, we're not going to play which yeah. one of these isn't like the other, but yeah. that's four high quality players, four very talented guys. What was it like playing with, I don't want to say each of them, but what was it like playing with different types of skilled players and how they kind of, you know, fit in with you out there? Yeah. I mean, obviously I know Tommy really well and we played world team tennis together uh last year kind of leading into the french which was you know pretty cool so we had a great bond through world team tennis taylor i've known for quite a while we've actually played a couple times now played in Chengdu, china in 2019 where we made the semis there uh benoit pair gotten to know him a lot more we, we had played together maybe four years ago and then we kind of teamed up again um you know as you said in, in that tournament so you know, with the singles guys, it's just, you know, focusing on myself as far as a doubles player and what I do well, and then maybe giving them just maybe a couple ideas of the game plan in a, in a doubles match, because what you don't want to do with a singles player that has so much talent and and great forehand, great serve, you don't want to confuse them on what to do in a doubles match. You know, it's more, for me, it's more X's and O's. I'll be the one that's more confused uh-huh. on where to move this and that, but for the for the singles, you just want to give them one or two tips and and then just run with it. Well, they seemed like they, especially your partners, enjoyed it, enjoyed the run, especially at some of these Grand Slams. It wasn't like they were just showing up to get (laughs) some work in. Yeah. I think it can be something that can help these top players. For whatever reason, you're seeing the women's game more more than the men that top players are are locked into playing high-level doubles. Yeah, I mean, that was our first time playing together, Tommy, Paul, and I, and he was so engaged and wanting to learn more about where to position in doubles, where to be, and and I think it – he even said it was helping his singles just because now he was coming in the net a little bit more, feeling more comfortable yeah. with the volleys. And same thing with Francis. You know, we our first time playing together was earlier this year. Actually, we played in Atlanta uh, 2019 as well. But that was our second time when we played Del Rey and then Australian yeah. Open. And, uh, you know, now he is fully engaged and kind of wants to play throughout the rest of the year and and loving doubles. And, and he, he feels like it's helping his singles a lot just because, again, he's coming forward using his net game more so than he's ever, ever has. Um, but yeah, and then it's just the extra reps, right? And you get on the court, you get in those pressure situations that then help in singles as well. So yeah, the results speak for all of them. I had one other, I had one other thing and it was what's, how do you manage your emotions when it's five all in a third set tiebreaker and Tommy Paul hits that shot that he did? Oh my God. That was, I think I I, I watched it yesterday. I think you just turned your head away and walked. No, I, I, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, I got a second serve. I hit a backhand kind of through the middle and Cuevas almost hit Tommy Paul, but he turned his back and hit a winner. And I, I, it happened so fast that I didn't really know what happened at first. And I was like, no way we have match point, you know, and, but it was just an unreal shot that it, what, what could you do? You know? And I w- almost wanted to like chest bump him or something, but yeah. we still had a point to exactly. play. And then we actually lost that match point and then they won the next point. So we were down a match point, but then we came back and won it. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, these guys, these singles guys, they do such amazing things on the doubles court. So that's why it's so fun to play with them. They return well, serve well. Um, so you just want to put yourself in the right position to help out. You got to manage your emotions and not go full celebrate. Yeah, and I exactly. and I have to imagine yeah. that you guys winning that match makes that memory a lot sweeter. Oh yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We we did chest bump after we won the match there, and making quarterfinals yeah. was fun. Yeah. Uh, we're going to team up together for Wimbledon, and you know who knows? Hopefully, have another great run. So it'd be great.
Well, Nick, as we look at this week's action, Rome, we're one stop, essentially one major stop away from Roland Garros. There have been a lot of upsets. We're going to dive into a bunch of them now, but just curious from your perspective, do you think that's a surprising thing? Should we be shocked that we've seen as many upsets on this, the last leg for a lot of players on the road to Roland Garros, or should that be expected? No, I think I think that should be expected. I mean, it, look, there's such a thin line between winning and losing, and and mm. there's such great players out there. You know, you yeah. see, as we're speaking about Rome, you see a guy like Delbonis beating Kachanov and Goffin and Felix, and he's a guy that's just been playing well and then losing some matches, but now he's he's seemed to turn it around. And 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 same for Riley. You know, Riley Opelka lost six in a row, and now he's you know has a chance against Delbonis to then keep going. But um, no, I think I think it's to be expected. I mean, guys train so hard and they're so focused in what they do in their profession. So, um, you know, I, I think that's kind of normal. It's a heavy road, right, from Monte Carlo, Barcelona for a lot of players, the 500, and then Madrid, that some of the top players who've done well early, it's hard to really keep that going. And on the flip side, right, you have players that, like Opelka, Delbonis, this is their last chance before RG to salvage something. No, absolutely. And that's where you see what's so great about guys like Federer and Nadal and Djokovic, how they can win a title in Madrid or let's say, and then go win Rome or that, you know, they'll have yeah. two great weeks back to back, you know, and it's amazing because what happens is, you know, a guy like a Bertini, he still won a couple rounds, but they come in a little tired, mm -hmm. a little, little content with what they did the last week. And so you see that a lot where a guy will win a week and then lose first round the next week. So it's, it's tough mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, but again, as you said, there are some players who hadn't won matches in a little while, like Del Bonus and yeah. Opelka, and all of a sudden they're they're on the rise. So that's pretty great. I will say that's why the most impressive maybe of anyone so far this week was what Zverev showed me today because he, all the signs were there, right? Win Madrid. Nishikori is a very game player, very tough in third sets, down a break, and then just wins the last five of the match. Yeah, I mean, again when you come after winning a title, that first match is the key one. If you get through that first one, then all of a sudden you get more locked in. Mm -hmm. The first one for the players who win a title is kind of like just content and whatnot. Yeah. But once you get through that first one, so for Zverev, I mean, man, he, he's tough and he's playing extremely well yeah. there in Rome. He, um, you know, he's got all the elements to, to win RG and, and he's showing it. His fields are just absolutely loaded <laughs> too. Yeah. Like there's no Nishikori yeah. around second match. Yeah. It's like, here you yeah. go. Uh, we did see, you know, I said the last leg for a lot of players. Some it's just getting going, and that was Serena Williams is the case. She yeah. lost her first match to Podoroska, who made the semis of RG last year, so obviously not a bad loss. But my question being, I mean, not that a loss is anything outside of a grand slam for Serena, but how important are reps for her? She did announce that she's going to play next week as well, which is very rare. She's playing a 250, but at this stage in the game, how important do you think reps are for her? Oh, I mean, I think they're huge. I, look, she hasn't played mm -hmm. pretty much since Australia, so, you know, like, like as Andy Roddick had said on Tennis Channel Live, I mean, you can't substitute match sets from practice sets. I mean, practice right. sets, you can play as many as you want to, but again, you need to be in those pressure situations. Mm -hmm. So I love the fact that she's going to play the yeah. 250 and again, get those match reps. She's, and then after that 250, she'll still have a week to go to Paris, train, and then she'll be ready to go that's at a, RG. That's a really good point. The extra week in the schedule helps the veterans like her, maybe her, maybe her the most. Yeah, because look, you, now she doesn't want to take you know, two, those two weeks off or she lost pretty early in this tournament, it would be three weeks off before RG would start. So it's very smart by her to go, go ahead and play a tournament and then have a week off. 
I mean, and clay is such a different beast. We're seeing that at all level that it's going to be, I mean, we're seeing even the top players who've had success for a long time struggle on the surface. Do want to also point out, you know, thoughts with Simona Health. That was just a brutal situation yesterday. And, and, you know, she said it's a calf tear that could be a long time out. I know you've had your experiences with injuries and whatnot. And I just, it was terrible because there was no real trauma on the point. Yeah. It just looked like it, it happened fast and could be a long setback for her. Yeah. Look, I mean, she obviously was prepared. She was, she was, her body was warmed up when it mm -hmm. happened. I mean, it'd be one thing if like maybe it was early in the match and maybe she didn't warm up properly before the match, but obviously she's been doing all the right things. So that's, you know, athletics, it's crazy. You never know when something like that can happen. So that's why, you know, we have to really enjoy the moment, enjoy what we do and, and not take it for granted. You know, it's amazing. Once you have a little niggle here and there, it's like, oh man, like my back's a little sore, but you never really think about that some other times because yeah. you're just, you're hundred percent healthy or 90 or 80% healthy. So just can't take for granted just being healthy. I mean, I looked at someone like Rafa in the Australian Open where he's rolling early against Tsitsipas and he'll never admit it, but something happened in that match. And thoughts with Simona Halep, uh, open no, things absolutely. up. absolutely. Yeah. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Nick Monroe here on the ten on Tennis Channel Inside In as we move along with Rome 2021. Another player that's struggling on the clay uh, is Naomi Osaka. She yeah. lost to yeah. uh, Jessica Puglia, which, again, want to give credit to where credit's due. I don't think there's a more improved player than Jessica Puglia on the women's tour. No, I mean, <laughs> look, she's uh, her coach, David Witt. They've been putting in a lot of work over the last couple of years. David worked with Venus Williams for a long time. You know, and again, for players, sometimes it's about the voice that, that your coaching is coming from. Mm -hmm. And obviously she respects David Witt, understands it. He's been there, done that, seen it with Venus yeah, Williams. So, yeah. you know, I think she obviously is respecting that voice and understanding that, look, if I do what he's telling me to do, then I can make it. And she's got a, an awesome game. You know, she she yeah. plays extremely well in World Team Tennis. She was tough to beat. You know, her and Kim Kleisters were kind of one and yeah. two. So, but, uh, yeah, but for Osaka, you know, the clay is just – not her favorite surface. Obviously, she hits the ball big enough to where it can go through the surface, and sh she could figure it out, and she will because she's a good enough athlete, yeah. right? Like, you know, it's just about the movement. So for anybody, it's about the movement, and then just being able to hit through the court like her, like she can. It seems like her opponents. She lost to Mukova again, who's who's the semifinalist at Australia too. But it seems like they can just neutralize her power just enough to stay in the point and yeah. extend it, and that's where yeah. that's where the rallies are. It's not like she's getting blitzed either. It's just these points are a little longer and they're just not quite what she's used to. Yeah. I mean, she's used to being able to hit through players, mm -hmm. right. And, and players not being able to get to the next ball, but if you can just put a couple more balls back in play mm -hmm. as with anybody, you put yeah. a couple more balls back in the court that just extends the rally and can make, you know, like Naomi make her feel more pressured to hit it bigger yeah. and go for the lines even more. I love the commitment though. It's like Serena too. It's like, she's not just running from this. She's not, doesn't have the Medvedev approach where she's just like, what am I even doing out yeah, here? Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's great. I think I think that's another one, and that really does open the door for a lot of players because Clay is having their way with some of the top ones. Yeah, no one sees that more today than Coco Golf, which yeah. she did beating Sabalenka, which yeah. could be you could argue her most impressive win of her career, coming off of uh, Sabalenka's title last week that Coco wins in straights, and 
really Nick played an efficient match. I think that was what impressed me was there wasn't that letdown that we've seen. Yeah. I mean, it, look, she's growing as a player. She's, yeah. she's growing up, um, again, match reps. Yeah. Um, Sabalenka obviously hit one Madrid and, in my opinion, she's going to win a few Grand Slams. I mean, she has a massive it's game. A and, bet. Yeah, it's a safe bet. Yeah. I mean, she just she just is she's uh-huh. that good, you uh-huh. know. And uh, so for Coco Golf to to be able to find a way to also neutralize her power and and then be able to mix it up with some drop shots and coming to the net, you, I like just seeing Coco. You know, she's got an all court game. She can do everything. You know, mm-hmm. and and. Um, so yeah, she. I mean, she's going to be tough to beat at RG as well because she's getting her confidence now. Yeah, I had a thought today too that. I mean, maybe it's not that crazy, but this might be her best surface. Like the way, she, I mean, she won Roland Garros Juniors as a 13-year-old, but yeah. <laughs> the way she plays with her athleticism, her ability to yeah. mix it up, this could be where her best you know, results could come from. 100%. I mean, yeah. as you said, she's athletic. Yeah. She can mix it up, come in, come into the net, use some height, hit through the court. She can kind of do it all. Um, yeah. Wouldn't be surprised if she uh, made a huge run hit RG. I like what I'm seeing out of her serve, too, because we know last year at RG was at its low point. Yeah. And even at the beginning of this year, there were some issues. But it seems like she's got the confidence back. And, you know, I, I always ask the question of whether it's more mental or whether it's technical. And it seems like the mental side has been improved in spades this year because she's just way better on the serve the last couple months. Yeah, no, again, it, it, I mean, it, look, the more you see that serve yeah. go in and the more you, you know yeah. she's working on it, right? Uh-huh. So she's putting in the reps. Um, but... Yeah, she just she's aging, getting old, aging. I mean, she's still so super still, young, still but a minor, yeah, 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 still yeah. not even but, adult. But uh, you know, <laughs> just time, time, time will help, and she'll just keep improving. Well, the match with Ash Barty tomorrow. I mean, that's that's an opportunity. That'll be interesting. <laughs> that'll be that'll be interesting, just yeah. because obviously Ash, you know, she can do everything as well. So you know, the drop shots that Coco will hit, or when she comes to the net, Ash can pass. You know, so it's going to be a mix of two all court players. And the fact that Ash Barty, who has to be the leader in the clubhouse at frustrating opponents more. Like, no one frustrates (laughs) their opponents more than her. But I just love the fact that, like, in the final against Madrid, you can get bagels in the first set. We're still going to have a long three-set match. Yeah, you know what? Look, the mental side of the game, you just can't overstate that enough. Mm -hmm. You know, we we saw Rafa Nadal as well today really struggling against Chapo, and he's down 3-0, 4-0, you know, loses that set 6-3, and then he's down 3-0 in the second, and then comes back and wins that, and then he's down 3-1 in the third. And so he just stayed with it. There was mm-hmm. never like, oh, you know what? I'm down a break yeah. in the third. I can't do it. Or I'm down a break in the second. I can't do it. So the mental approach that these top players have yeah. is just a little bit stronger, and they're able to get back in a match without being too negative with themselves. That's why you got to look at Barty as like the clear favorite going into RG, the game, but also the mental side of things. Yeah, and anything 100%. could happen, which is what's so exciting. But, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I, was, I yeah. would say she's, she's the clear favorite. Yeah. yeah. Looking, uh, you mentioned that Nadal match. We can just talk about him now because, he, I mean, it, it doesn't get any easier for this guy, you know, and, and he comes into Rome, plays center, has a quick turnaround, plays Shapovalov the next day, two of the heaviest matches, beats center in two grueling sets, and the, and the win against Shapovalov in three today. It's like he's at the top of the mountain, and he's just barely holding these guys off now. Like, the distance is getting tighter, but he's still the king. Yeah, he's still the king. You know, in Spanish, he's El Rey. He's the king. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's just, again, that can't be understated as well about, you know, he finished late against center and then having to come back somewhat early. He was in upset the, about that. He, yeah, wasn't, he wasn't thrilled. Exactly. And know? then having to come back somewhat early to yeah. play Shapo, not easy to do. Yeah. You know, that's why people see results. How did this guy lose that match? But, you know, the, the timing in between matches is always crucial for the body to recover and how much sleep did Rafa get, whatever. So, but Shapo played a great match. But to be fair, Rafa was probably at like, 
Paul Anacone and I were talking about it earlier today. Rafa was probably at like 60% about of his kind of physical capacity and mentally he was pretty tired. But again, Strapo played unreal, but, but Rafa, you know, it's easy for him to say, man, you know, you know what? I'm just a little tired today. No, no, no. He, he like, was like, you know what? Yeah. I'm tired, but I'm going to find a way to win this match. He's like Jason in those Friday movies. Like you got to just kill the heart. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's never done. And even yeah. when he, even when he's down a break or two breaks in the third or fifth set, you know, yeah. he's never, it's never out. The outs are there and he just refuses to take them. And, yeah. and what I really have appreciated more and more with this guy is he rounds into form. Yeah. Like the more I, the more you watch it, like best of five, how long that is, how physical that is. That's one thing that he keeps himself in great shape. But just the fact that every year, regardless, yeah. obviously, whether it's in October yeah. or not or spring normally, yeah. but he will be at his best those two weeks in Paris. Yeah. Look, I mean, it, the guy just hits the ball so big off the forehand. And, and to be able to, that's the thing also with these top guys, Novak, Roger, Rafa, is they're able to play at such a high level for such a long time. You yeah. know, a lot of players can play at a high level, then they dip and then come back and dip. These guys are at a high level for a very long time, which is why it's so difficult to beat them, let alone to beat Rafa on clay for five sets. I mean, that's what it makes it so difficult, right? I mean, this guy needs to be, He's basically got to be the only way you're going to beat him is if you tire him out somehow or yeah. if you're able to overpower him and but you have to be able to do that yeah. for five sets <laughs> so would, would there be a c in there would be the cb if you're novak Djokovic? is he in a because di- that's like honestly is he in a different it's like a kind of a serious question but is he in a different level is he the one guy that can beat rafa if rafa's near his top level um yeah absolutely i mean obviously novak's yeah. not scared of him and feels like he could i I want to throw in a guy like Karatsev because you have to be able to out hit Rafa or you have to be able to overpower him and especially into his forehand. So for Karatsev, like he hits the ball so big and you feel like he can do it forever and, and, and his confidence levels through the roof. So if Karatsev is on (laughs) Rafa's side of the draw, I would say that'd be a popcorn match. There's never been a story like Karatsev in tennis. I was trying to look like there's a guy that comes virtually out of nowhere at his age and, you know, late 20s, and now is playing at a top 10 clip and could be at the year end Yeah, you know, he talks a lot about his his coach. They've been together yeah. now for three years and, and, you know, how it's just pretty much you listen to everything he says and it started to click. Um, you know, but speaking to some of the Russian Russian guys, they said, look, man, we've we've noticed this guy's been playing extremely good ball yeah. over the last couple of years. He was just in the challenger level and he was 18 of 20 in the challenger level in 2020 at the end of COVID. And then was able to quali in Australia and then just make that run. And what was funny about quali in Australia was he only brought a limited amount of clothing for qualifying because he kind of just thought, well, like, I'm not sure if I'm a quali. Let's see. And then all uh-huh. of a sudden he qualies and he's winning a lot of matches. So he actually needed some clothes and he got Misha Zverev and Alex. He's close with them. So Misha yeah. gave him a bunch of Adidas clothes to wear throughout the tournament, which is a pretty funny story because yeah. the guy just didn't even have enough clothes, no. you know, and now he has companies coming after him like crazy. He's yeah. not wearing anything yet. He's just kind of wearing anything at the uh-huh. moment, but he's waiting to see kind of how this year pans out, and then he'll he'll sign something. Yeah, there's a mental toughness with him, too. It's like down two sets to Felix and Ozzy, and then that Belgrade tournament against Djokovic. Yeah. He saved yeah. like 20 break points yeah. or something. Yeah, no, you know? no, he, I mean, he's similar <laughs> yeah. to the top. He's similar yeah. to Rafa. No, yeah. like nothing affects him, right? Yeah. Like you never see him go up or down mentally. Nick Monroe on Tennis Channel Inside In as we continue along here uh, in Rome. I would say that outside of Nadal and Djokovic, the next one that I would throw in that mix would be Sitsipas on clay based on how he's playing. And there is that little bit of, I've talked about with other analysts, 
there's a little bit of fearlessness. Some would call it maybe arrogance, but he believes that he's just as good as these guys. And and I would argue you have to have it at that level. To oh, you have chance. to you have to believe you can beat yeah. all the top guys. You yeah. it, what happens is most players walk on the court against Novak or Rafa, and they've already lost the first set. Mm-hmm. You know, and then all of a sudden now you got to try to win the second because you've lost the first already. So, yeah. Boss believes he can beat these guys, and also he's just got he's. As we've talked about, he's got an all-court game. I mean, and he's really worked on being able to take the ball on the rise better and come forward, which... Gotten a lot stronger, He's gotten a lot... Yeah, exactly. And he's gotten a lot stronger, but that has helped him... Mm -hmm. By getting stronger, that's helped him be able to take that backhand early. He comes in a lot more than he ever used to. His all-court game, especially getting to the net on clay, which is kind of a throwback as well. I, I think that, you know, he plays Djokovic tomorrow in the quarterfinal. Now, I know Djokovic has been open about the fact that it's all about slams for him. So Sitsipas, I think, comes out of this match with, I don't want to say a little bit to prove, but these two have history on the court where Sitsipas has had some wins over him. So I actually do think that Djokovic kind of gets up for these matches. Oh, no, no. The younger generation. There is no (laughs) doubt Djokovic is going to get up for this match. I mean, as you saw today, I mean, Djokovic played Taylor Fritz in that first round. Got snuck through that one. I mean, yeah. that, that was a tough one. That yeah. was a tough one. It was 7-6 in the second set, and I feel like if Taylor would have won that, you never know what Djokovic, he was getting a little upset about the rain, mm-hmm. and they were playing. They were only the, the only match playing at the time. I think Taylor probably could have taken that third, yeah. but once he got through that one, again, it's getting yeah. through that first one. Then you saw him win 2-1 and one today against Davidovich Fokina. Mm-hmm. I mean, now the guy's, the guy's yeah. clicking right yeah. now. So th- it'll be interesting to watch because they're both h- extremely high on confidence. He, uh, you know, no disrespect to Dan Evans, but more of like a veteran in the game. And I thought in Monte Carlo, Joker was all locked in for center because this is a threat, essentially, yeah. you know, and yeah. that's what Tsitsipas is. Because, I mean, Tsitsipas has been the third best clay court player in that pecking order mm-hmm. right now until we see with, you know, with team and all that. But yeah. I think this is going to be a good one. And I think, you know, they could be out there for hours. We've seen some three hour matches. Out yeah, there. yeah, yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready to get my popcorn out for it. Um, I mentioned team. I want to get your thoughts on him because he hasn't had the reps that we've seen him having and he's got some losses losing to Sonego, who is a very good player on the rise, but it's a little different to not see team just playing tennis every week. And I do think he's, he's got a game that's built on being on the court every single week. Well, you know, he had talked about how he just kind of mentally with COVID and not having fans mm-hmm. and whatnot, how he's just kind of struggling with that motivation, but don't get me wrong. This guy loves to be on the practice court. They have to actually pull him off the court. I've seen it. I mean, the guy's like, no, 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 more of this, more of that, more of that. And the coach's yeah. like, dude, you're, you're good, you know? And so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't, I, I, even though he lost to Nego, Sonego is a great player playing well at home. He had the crowd behind him. I'm not too worried about Dominic team. I mean, he, he, uh, he's had a lot of reps and he will continue to have a lot of reps leading into RG. So he'll be completely fine. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see it because he and his, has. And his body will feel great yeah. when, he, when he gets RG. I mean, he's going to be healthy. He's been, I mean, he's had a better four-year run on the clay than anyone but Rafa, Djokovic yeah. included. Yeah. So this is, he can he can grind out there. He can produce. I, yeah. I, I fully believe that. Uh, before we wrap this up, one other question. Do you think you've ever disliked anything about tennis as much as Medvedev dislikes clay? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question because Medvedev <laughs> It's yeah, it's not what he wants to be playing on. That's for sure. But it's interesting because he actually has a game to play on clay because he he absorbs pace extremely well. And he's normally so far behind the baseline. So on clay, it's going to be the same. I saw him trying to incorporate a few more drop shots over the last couple matches. So he is trying to tailor his tennis to like, okay, maybe I need to drop it. Maybe I need to come in. Maybe I need to adjust. So 
But at the moment, that's not where he wants to be. Well, I get, you know, I get <laughs> it. Also, like, when he played yeah. Karatsev, I mean, Karatsev yeah. here in Rome just completely out hit him off the court, and you could see Medvedev was the, just like, "I, what am I doing out and, here?" And having Rublev in the stands, yeah, exactly. And Rublev was flat cracking up. Yeah, they look. I agree with you that I think he can have success on clay. It's tough. Like obviously, he's a hard court guy, and and he doesn't have the reps, and it's going to take time. Like we were talking with Osaka, but. He's mentally, like, you've almost lost Mental, before mentally, you get up there. Mentally, he's a little checked out on clay. But, again, yeah. he, he's mm-hmm. still two in the world. The yeah. guy is a very good player. So when you're that good, yeah. you're going to figure it out. He just mentally has to change his mindset about it. It's very bizarre to see him who was, like, you know, ice cold. In the U.S. Open against Rafa, the crowd's cheering against him. He's just tying his shoe, forces yeah. five sets, yeah. and yeah. now he's a little rattled. Yeah, I mean, in, 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 again, against Karatsev, he's yeah. playing another Russian that, you know, he didn't want to lose to, and the guy's out hitting him, so that also yeah. rattled him. Well, I want to get your thoughts on these Rome quarterfinal matchups before we let you go here. Uh, Sitsipas Djokovic, we talked about. How about Nadal and Zverev? Yeah, I mean, that. I mean, that's... <laughs> well, Zverev, obviously, he's kind of owns him a little bit right now. I mean, he just beat him in Madrid. It's a three straight, I think. Yeah, three straight. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> Zverev, again, has the game to beat him because he can hit it so big into Rafa's forehand. And, and, and Rafa always struggles against these big servers and big hitters, right? Like, mm-hmm. those are the ones. And again, if it's two out of three sets, those are the ones that can, can get him. You know, to beat him in five sets like that, like we've seen Rose Saul in the past, a big yeah. hitter at Wimbledon or whatever. But... I think Zverev, you know, he's got the confidence he could do it. I mean, we saw Nadal today a little bit iffy, so, yeah. you know, Zverev could do it. Yeah, and I, I, I bet you better believe Rafa will be ready to go. Well, you though. can't you know, bet. After, you, after, losing, yeah. after losing in Madrid, he's not going to want to lose again. It's weird. It's like both these guys physically, their form, like you and Paul were talking about, like they're probably not going to be at 100%. Yeah. There's been a lot of miles in the yeah. last couple, yeah. even today. Yeah. But those are the matchups I favor Rafa in. Like if it's coming to the 100%. 100%. I mean, you want to yeah. see how much gas both these guys mm-hmm. have in the tank. Uh, Del Bonas and Opelka. Just props to Riley Opelka before we forget. I know you brought him up, but yeah. just turning your clay court season around. Yeah. And what an opportunity for both these guys. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I got to go with Opelka. Obviously, yeah. I, I was watching him play against Musetti, and and what I like from Riley. Obviously, we know he can serve big, but what I like is he's mixing in the serve and volley more yeah. because guys are so far back behind the baseline trying to return yeah. his serve. So. If you're going to beat Riley, you have to kind of adjust the return and maybe stand in a little bit, stand back, change it up. But what I'd like to see is he's serving volume more. He's used some drop shots. He's standing on the baseline a bit more. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I like I like Opelka in that one. And he can get to the net in like two steps. No, yeah, two, a, two, <laughs> two steps and then just like dunk the ball over the net on, with, a, with the volley. It's got to be a luxury to have. Yeah. Um, and then you can't forget about uh, the Rublev fight, the Rublev match against Sanego, which, yeah. you know, hey, Rublev's been playing well. He's been getting tested recently, but yeah. there's always that story, right? There's always that hometown guy and yeah. Sanego's playing yeah. right into the narrative. I mean, Sanego's obviously feeding off the, the crowd now, now that there's a crowd yeah. there. Um Again, I've watched Sinego practice a ton. The guy is one of the best practice yeah, players I've ever yeah. seen, especially hit off the forehand side. But Rublev also is, I think, is he number one or two in matches one this year? And, uh, you know, he, he feels like he can beat anybody other than Karasa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rublev is kind of like low-key the uh, most entertaining to watch for kind of blow-ups, too. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> But it's uh, weird. Yeah. He doesn't tank. He just blows up and then locks back in. But well, he does blow up. Yeah, because he, he's a perfectionist. <laughs> yeah. You know, that that's, yeah. what, that's one thing I don't know if a lot of people know about Rublev is he'll walk on the practice court and he will have eight rackets and they'll all be strung at one different, at a different tension. Yeah, so, I've, I've heard this yeah, story. And so, yeah, and so literally like he will try them all out 
and all eight rackets will be all different tensions by like one or two pounds. And so then he'll try to figure out, okay, I'm going to use this tension for this match or this tension for that match. So the guy is an absolute perfectionist and he does the same with weighting his rackets. They're all different weights and he'll try to find the right one. So again, when you, when you see him blow up, it's just because, you know, he, he could be winning the match and blow up, but, but yeah, I just can't recall seeing someone just stand inside the baseline and take the cuts that he takes on oh, yeah. beforehand. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Just, well, and yeah. if you watch him practice, he's almost hitting the ball harder in practice <laughs> than in the match. Like, it, it's it's crazy to watch. Yeah, crazy. Uh, the, the women's side, we mentioned golf party, but you got some interesting matchups with Pagula and Martich who made a run. Uh, Swiatek, who I think people forgot about, the defending champ, yeah. plays Fidelina. And then Elena Ostapenko back in the saddle, play, taking on Pliskova as well. So this is an opportunity as well. And, it's an opportunity yeah. for everybody. I mean, I think... I think I, I like I like Pagula making it through to the finals there on that side of the Ooh, draw. I mean, I'll, yeah. I'm going to take her. She uh, she's playing well, obviously beating Osaka, but um, you know, and I, watching Ostapenko, she can have her times where she's playing really well, and she was throwing darts out there today. Like she had, yeah. I think, over, a shot maker. over 50 winners or something. Mm -hmm. But but then she'll have about the same amount of unforced errors, and she kept the double faults down today, which was huge for her because she can also double fault her way out of a match, but. Uh, but I like to see. I would like to see Pakula make it through the yeah. final. She she has the tools to do it. She does. Uh, she'll also point out too that Svitolina definitely seems like she's locked in. Yeah. Obviously, you know stuff on the personal front. Getting engaged, she's in a great mood. But she's at the point in her career where she's been consistent for a long time. Yeah. Getting up there, like now's the time yeah. to lock in. Now's and this time, is now's the time to get a Grand Slam. I mean, yeah. everyone's been talking about her yeah. as being a dark horse for this Slam or that Slam, and 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 now's the time, right? When when Serena's yeah. maybe not playing as well on clay, Osaka as well. Halep is mm -hmm. out. Look, Svitolina, I mean, you it's got to be your time. She you looked know? great today uh, yeah. against Muguruza, yeah. so yeah. feeling fit, feeling yeah. good. Nick Monroe, this was a blast. Thanks for joining Tennis Channel Inside In. Uh, getting ready to go to Roland Garros uh, tomorrow. As we yeah, yeah, I leave tomorrow for Geneva to play with Riley Opelka, actually, okay. in Geneva. Then I'll play Parma with Sam Query, and then... Uh, uh, RG with Francis Tiafoe. Okay. So, Dude, running the game. Yeah, try, yeah. try, just all the singles guys. Let's running go. the game. But you yeah. and Francis out there should be fun. I mean, it, it's, it's going to be good. Um, yeah. What, you know, what can we, uh, what can we expect? <laughs> what can we expect from uh, the Roland Garros run settling in? Are we, are we going to make a prediction here? No, I don't know. Take I don't a know. one we, match at a time. Yeah, as you saw, I was talking to <laughs> yeah. Francis before we yeah. started this. We, we've got a great relationship and, yeah. uh, yeah, you know, if there's any team names out there that you guys think we yeah. should have, go ahead and throw it out. But no, we, we have a lot of fun and, and yeah. uh, you know, Francis and Francis mine. He's like, man, we, you know, we can, you know, we have a good shot. We can kind of beat anyone. And, but, you know, he's always confident and he, he plays well. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun. And the French crowd loves doubles. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. environments are great. Exactly. Uh, Nick Monroe, pleasure chatting with you. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. That was Nick Monroe. This was Tennis Channel Inside In. We're on the Tennis Podcast Network, tennis.com slash podcast. We'll be back next week to talk about Roland Garros and the road to Roland Garros. And we've got a lot of player interviews and chats with analysts, legends, everybody in the sport coming up. For Nick Monroe, I am Mitch Michaels. This was Tennis Channel Inside In. We'll see you next week.